Hey guys, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I had tried different diets, exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that really thrives on you not getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love. Play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business all while feeling great. To give a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to access my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and that the show is really sponsored by you guys. Each of you that works with me that I am able to take on as a client helps me to be able to keep putting out these podcasts for free. So I just want to thank you, each of you, for your love and support. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 138. In today's episode, I interview master motion mechanic Alex Rizk of The Human Garage, where we take a dive off the deep end into human movement. Standing, walking, and squatting is all at the center of it. Alex will blow you away with his knowledge and passion, so please enjoy. Alrighty, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast. And on the line today, I have Alex Rizk. Uh, had to take a second to make sure I got that one right there. Alex, uh, of the Human Garage. First question I'm always curious about for people here is share with us so everybody can kind of get caught up on your health and movement journey uh, up to this point. Yeah. Um, so it all kind of began around uh, 2012, so so roughly about six years ago now. Um, <clears throat> I was a professional athlete, and I sustained an injury um, to, to my lower spine uh, that ended up taking me away from, from the sport. Um, and it, it put me in a position where, um, it was more of a quality of life thing that I was looking for. Um, it was, it was beginning to be re really debilitating and, uh, it actually got me to a point where I couldn't move on my own. Um, and so the care that I was receiving, uh, was, was actually making me worse. Um, and so I took it upon myself to go and have different consultations with, with several specialists who, uh, were all kind of leading me down the path of surgery. And um, intuitively, something always felt wrong about that. And so I, <clears throat> I had to take, uh, take this, this new journey that I guess I didn't see coming um, and figure out how to fix myself. And uh, the, the, the best way I sought to do that was to uh, kind of dive right into the education of the human body and um, just continue to put pieces together and continue to follow that, that intuition that uh, was driving me away from that surgery. Now, how did this really, how were you affected immediately from this? Because I mean, you go from being a obviously high level professional athlete to now you can't really walk and like you need help getting around. Like what did that do for you? I mean, I guess mentally, emotionally, like, and how did you even bounce back just from that standpoint? Yeah, it, um, <clears throat> it's a, it's a big slap in the face with ego and, uh, definitely a lot of, uh, situational depression, 
um, started to loom over me in, in several different ways. You know, it was uh, something that um, I was close with for, for the majority of my life. I started playing when I was three and, and it was really all that I knew. And um, it, 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 you know, not being able to move in that way took me to this realization of, you know, you, you need to be able to define who you are without the things that you carry. Um, and so to look into myself to to allow myself to provide that internal happiness or that internal enjoyment or, or that life fulfillment rather than this, you know, whether it's a sport or, a, you know, a car or anything else in that manner or another person even um, was was really the, 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 the struggle that that uh, that that I sought myself into. And um, it it definitely wasn't easy. Um, and you know, you kind of bounce back in a couple of different ways and then, you know, you start, you start the climb and then something knocks you back down and you got to maybe climb that same one again. And, um, you know, usually in my experience, it was, if I ever had to uh, make any sort of reclimbs per se, uh, there was something that I missed and there was something that, that, that I didn't learn, uh, that was, that was best suited for me. Um, and it, it was definitely a, a long journey and, and, and it never is a straight path. Uh, it's always the most crooked path that I think you will, you, you could ever experience in life. And how did you, so I, I, I was got connected with you through the human garage. And, uh, if you want to share maybe kind of like how you met Gary, because like you guys, it seems like really collaborated doing a lot of stuff here and now really getting into even some of the body work, maybe that you, uh, learned, like you said, for yourself, uh, but kind of where that's taken you, where you've brought, uh, brought that up until today now. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty interesting story. Um, so I was first in, uh, so Human Garage is located in uh, Venice, uh, California, <clears throat> and I had first moved to LA back in 2012, back, back when I was playing soccer. I'm from the uh, Chicago area, and uh, once I received the injury and was kind of trying to put my pieces together, I actually went back to the Midwest uh, to go to school and study and, and begin all my research, and, you know, it was a... Uh, it was a weird process because I would really go to class and I would listen to the information that was presented and I would go home and I would just dive knee deep in all this different research, trying to put the pieces together that made sense and trying to put the pieces together that didn't make sense. And I would use myself as the guinea pig. And eventually I got myself out of pain and to, to a point where I started to do tests. So, you know, can I get in and out of a car by myself? Uh, can I go for a walk with a friend um, and, and continue to build it up from there? Can I go for a run now? And what happens after I run? And um, through this process, I realized that there was a big disconnect out there in healthcare. And um, there, there's a lot of people, and it wasn't just athletes. It was, it was just everybody in general is looking for answers. And that's really what I was doing is I was looking for a solution or an answer and I wasn't getting it when I was leaning on the care that I wanted to receive. So, so for me, I was like, okay, I, I, there needs to be uh, a, a, a solution to, to, to this overall problem. And so, so I didn't really know what it was going to look like. And, and just as everything else was going, I was just kind of following that, that intuition that kind of creeps up on us. And I was, I was in the process of starting my own business. And, um, I was still in between here in L or, I'm sorry, in Chicago and LA a lot. Um, my brother owns a, a production company out here. And so I would always kind of fly out and help out with that kind of work and, you know, continue to build up my model. And <clears throat> so he and I have a, have a very close relationship and, uh, I used to call him all the time and just talk about all of the research that I was doing, everything, all the business stuff I was putting together because, you know, I, I figured if, if, 
you know, I can, I can understand it for myself, but if I can't explain it to somebody else and they don't have the level of understanding that people are seeking to receive, then I'm not really helping in that way. And so about, uh, about two years ago now, um, my brother walked into a human garage. Uh, I think he had gotten into a, a minor car accident at the time and just had some minor whiplash. And uh, his offices are actually located around the corner from where we are. And his business partner said, just go, go over here and check, check out this place. So he walked in and of course he met Gary and uh, <clears throat> I think they were talking for, for probably about an hour, hour and a half and he rang me like probably 10 to 100 times afterwards. And uh, <laughs> you know, I pick up the phone, is this some type of emergency happening? What's going on, right? And he's like, yo, I just met this guy and I swear I thought I was talking to you the whole time. You have to come out here and meet this guy. And I was, I was kind of floored. I was like, well, what do, you, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And he started telling me kind of about the language that he was using and the way he was talking about the body and this, and this business that he has up and running. And um, it's funny, you know, I, uh, <clears throat> the, in, in the Midwest, it um, kind of the, the, the ideology that they have of what healthcare looks like is a lot different than out here on the, on the coast. And uh, so I kept quiet a lot about, about my things because people were not really connecting with the things that I was saying. And so when he said this, I, uh, <clears throat> it was funny. I first felt excitement and then it was weird because I almost felt defeat because I thought, oh no, <laughs> he hasn't really been listening to what I've been saying because I just, I got to a point where I didn't know if anybody out there was thinking this way. So he's always been a, a sort of a, of a mentor for me my whole life. And so because of that, I've I trust him with, with pretty much everything. And um, <clears throat> I actually had a, a, a ticket to, to come out to LA two weeks after our call booked already because I was coming out here to actually look at commercial spaces to begin seeing what was gonna map out for the, for the blueprints of the business. He said, okay, take this meeting before you do that. I said, okay, fine. So I flew out here, uh, show, up to, show up to the human garage, I walk in and uh, meet Gary and um, <laughs> I think our meeting lasted about 10 minutes. Um, it, was, it was one of those times where, where you meet somebody and you almost don't want to continue the conversation because what's felt, that energy that's felt between the two of you says so much more than any words that you can continue to say. And uh, <laughs> we, we kind of just had this look at each other where, and, and it was funny because I think he asked me, uh, he asked me like one question and I, I think I got five words out and he put his hand in my face. He said, okay, stop. Like, <laughs> you're already speaking our language. You've already got all this stuff going on. And, and we just, it was that thing where we could sit here and talk for another six hours and, and continue to be so giddy. But again, that feeling that, that we have right now is, is speaking volumes. And um, when I left after the meeting, um, I started to reflect kind of on, on the day and, and the experience that I had. And, and when I had walked into the garage, it's, it's a very, very special space. Um, and everybody that kind of walks in, kind of receives that energy that we try to really set in the space. It's very specific. We want to understand that when people come in here, you feel this is different, this is safe, and, and that I can really begin to get answers and heal myself here. And when I walked in, there was kind of that hit me in the same way. But I also, after reflecting, realized this was my business. This this is it. But he, you know, he has things that he's ahead of me. He, he already has the business up and running. He has the clientele. He has a therapy that's put together where I was still connecting pieces. I had things similar that they were doing, but I was still in the process of connecting those pieces. 
And, and, and we had a call then later where we were just like <laughs> kind of almost both reflecting and just said, so you're going to come join the team, right? And he said, yeah. Um, it was funny. I still had two years left out in Chicago. So I, I literally had spent up until the beginning of this year flying back and forth, working and then going back, you know, and it would be I'd, I'd work maybe for a few days and then hop the last flight out on a red eye land and then go straight to class <laughs> for for a good for a good solid year and a half um just because it was something that was so stimulating for, for the both of us and for me especially now what were you finishing up what uh what classes um so i was uh <clears throat> i was studying and this and I, I did it in a very particular way um i knew that there was a part of me that believed that a profession that i was looking for wasn't really out there and that something might have to be almost created in a way to help up-level what healthcare looks like. So I started studying medicine, and, uh, and then I transferred to study uh, physical therapy, transferred to study nutrition, and then transferred and studied kinesiology. Um, so it's funny, it actually took me five years, which is the nature of the beast, because you know, <laughs> as you continue to switch focus, you go, oh, well, you're gonna need this now as a requirement, and this as a requirement, right? So that's, I was finishing up all my studies at the university, um, um, back in Chicago. Um, and you know, it was, I had found something that I had been looking for, but I'm also the type of person that finishes something that he begins. And so for me, it was, I'm still going to finish out this degree and I'm still going to, to, to graduate because everything that I'm still going to obtain is going to help the human garage in, in so many different ways. This might be a tough one to answer or even, um, give, I guess a succinct answer to, but what is the human garage? And, and I mean that from like, what is it like that you guys go into? What is it that's so different about it? Because uh, anything that I've uh, at least uh, learned about it, listened about it, read about it so far, it's like this is a very different place. Yeah. So <clears throat> human garage in, in, in kind of uh, the way that it actually sounds, when, I guess, when you hear that name <laughs> <laughs> is uh, – is is really a place where where people can come, like I said, and 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 get answers and solutions for themselves, but in a little bit of a different way, right? So it's um, you know, when 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 clients, you know, the, the type of clients that walk through us, it's they're not the people that come and say, "I'm here, fix me," right? That's not really how the process works. It's actually a complete 50-50 relationship. And as much as the therapist is working to help the client, the client is helping themselves just that much more, right? And, and, and a reminder that we always have for everybody is that you are your biggest asset. And when you walk away from us, what, what do you gain from that, right? And we're hoping that it's knowledge, some education, and pieces that you've been able to, to kind of put together for your own puzzle to help provide those solutions that you may have been looking for for, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 years. And, and, and the whole idea of it was that, you know, the body records everything, every single thing that has happened to us throughout our life, the body records and stores it somewhere. So the information and the knowledge that each of our clients actually need is within inside of them and, and they can obtain it through a feeling. But instead of telling people <laughs> that they're crazy or it might just be stress or they need to go home, take a nap and take these, these painkillers. We're going to continue to pull that language out of them and say, yes, keep talking, keep saying exactly what you're feeling, because when you turn around and ask me, what do you see? I'm going to say exactly what you just said. You know your body better than anybody else. You spend 24 hours a day with it. It only makes sense that what you are feeling is true to your body. So in a way, we're validating that 
and then just kind of helping assist to connect those other pieces. And that's kind of the, the, the high level of, of what Human Garage is. Um, you know, we, we, it, you know we, we, we focus on alignment, right? So we call ourselves motion mechanics. Uh, we analyze and restore motion. And, and, and the idea is, you know, the, the, the body was designed to do, to do three things, really, which is to stand, walk, and squat. And especially over here in L.A., None of these things are really happening that much as they should be. And, 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 and society in general throughout the years has really lost touch with a lot of these things. And what begins to happen is the body will create compensations around this for, for many different reasons, right? Uh, it really wants to protect you, right? And if it didn't, you know, and I always give people the, 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 the example of sitting. If you sat for, for two, two and a half hours and then you had to use the restroom, you know, most people are crossing their legs, leaning on an elbow, kind of going side to side. <clears throat> if your body doesn't react like a game of chess and move those structures around and you get up, there's still a force. There's still actually two forces that are pushing against the body at all times, which is gravity and atmospheric pressure. And if the body doesn't respond or compensate to this, you'll f just fall over. <laughs> so, so these compensations that begin to happen in the body are really the body's way of just protecting us. And, and what's happening is, is without the, with, with more and more of these compensations, we begin to see kind of more and more of these complications, right? And we're talking, uh, you know, diseases, um, you know, different types of dysfunctions in the body, whether, whether it be nervous system or muscular. Um, and, and that's really at the foundation, we realized what are the fundamental similarities between all human beings? Standing, walking, and squatting. And we do this through our gait or motion. So our idea was <clears throat> if somebody can walk back and forth in front of us and their gait is not at its full functional range of motion, let's start there because that's the fundamental job of what the body was designed to do. And if it's not, being, it's not able to do what it was designed to do, it's really hard to begin the conversation about everything else that, that somebody may be dealing with, whether it be clinical or not clinical. And this is really where the therapy kind of comes into play here is because <clears throat> it's, you know, the brain is always, is always uh, receiving problems in the body. Right. And, and after a while, right, the brain can receive your top three pains at once. So, so a client might come to me and they might say, my, my shoulder is, is, is kind of really, really bothering me right now. If I stopped on their foot and I smacked them across the face and I asked them, how does your shoulder feel now? Right. <laughs> Basically, what I did was I kind of just trumped that pain and I almost masked it in a way, right? And that's kind of what begins to happen is that shoulder pain didn't go away. It's still there, but the brain is now receiving other information that has now become more important to it. And this is basically what we're going to see is it's layers on top of layers on top of layers of these masks or compensations of the body. And we want to kind of work backwards in order to remove these to then begin to see that's exactly the problem that's happening in the body. Because when there are so many things happening at once, it all kind of just becomes white noise. And <clears throat> the way the therapy works is we're working through the body with, with kind of a manual therapy of, of creating a series of logical problems for the brain to solve. And so we're bringing attention or awareness to an area that's going, hey, this leg isn't swinging like it should be while they're walking. So we're going to release or adjust something around here. But instead of us coming in and forcefully making that action happen, we're going we're gonna to bring attention for the brain and give time and wait for the brain to solve that problem. 
And then that way, when the person gets back up against gravity, and again, the same way that it compensated them uh, when they were, you know, sitting for those two hours and they had to get up and use the bathroom, the same way that the brain reacted in that way, when they get up off the table, the brain is going to react to push those things back and and towards alignment. And this is where we begin to see uh, the gait kind of restoring and and the pain uh, pain free full range of motion kind of coming back into play. Alex, I'm curious why you guys, or the reasoning being uh, going so simple with three different things. Like I think of other movements that happen. I mean, I agree. Like those are probably the like the big three, if you will. Um, but is there a reason that you guys keep it just down to uh, only three: the standing, walking, and squatting, uh, and not doing like anything? I mean, like a push or a pull, uh, like a bend, a lunge. I mean, anything like that. Yeah, so <clears throat> there are definitely um, movements that the body can get into that are still considered functional. Um, and we have a lot of testing for all of our functional movements. And we actually, you know, kind of once a client gets through their uh, alignment protocol, we call it, uh, we, we, we then do begin to uh, rehab their, their biomechanics, right, which is kind of their functional movements. Um, but at the basic level, really what, we, what began to happen is, is that, and the demographic of our clientele has really changed throughout the years. Um, and at a lot of different points, a lot of the different people that are coming to us is, is some pretty clinical cases. Um, and, and it was like they were already dug into so many different rabbit holes in, in a way, right? And the idea was just because the problem is so complicated doesn't mean that the answer has to equate to that. The answer or the solution can be extremely simple. So part of our kind of our core values of the company, one of our core values is, is or I should say two of our core values is make, always make things simple and always look for a better way. And, and so because of that, we wanted to keep it as basic as possible because we thoroughly believe that the body has what it needs to heal itself. It got you all the way to that position. It only makes sense that it would be able to get you back out. And for me to think that I have the ability to do that for you is kind of where the disconnect kind of comes into play here. And 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 we call it mind-body repair for, for a specific reason is because we're trying to help instill that connection for the person, right? To help connect their brain back to their body or their conscious back to the subconscious where now they begin to trust exactly what they're feeling. And, and, and if we do that through these simple three things, the body can take care of the rest of kind of call it the complicated uh, factors that are happening here. Right. And then we can kind of once once the basic fundamentals are restored or repaired, we can then move forward to the pushes, the pulls, the lunges, you know, all these different types of activities, because the idea is <clears throat> the end goal for people is I want to be able to live a lifestyle that I enjoy. And that might be going for hikes. That might be, you know, runs, playing tennis, mountain biking, whatever that looks like for each client. We can definitely work to get there. But at the end of it. Every single movement will come down to three, three basic fundamentals that the body was designed to do. And we always, always want to start there because if we, if we kind of deviate from that, we almost fall into the trap of digging in more rabbit holes in a way. No, and that makes a lot of sense. Like trying to keep it, uh, make things simple, but not simpler. Like if you try to break it down more, it'd be a problem. But the more you add to it, the more complicated things are going to get. And you're going to, yeah, still go mm -hmm. all over the place. Uh, so what, what about those movements have you learned the most, like over the last few years? I mean, has there just been anything that really stuck out where, or, or what are maybe a couple of those big aha moments that you've had? Yeah, it's, um, 
I'd say there's been quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's good though, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, each each day is uh, a really a brand new day uh, in the best way possible. Um, and 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 I th- I think one of the biggest things that that we've been able to kind of have uh, one of our biggest aha moments is that is that we realized <clears throat> the relationship of biomechanics in the body. And and what I mean by that is kind of going back to. A couple of the forces that the body uh, uh, works against uh, every time it is standing, walking, or squatting, which is gravity and atmospheric pressure. And so, <clears throat> scientific fact: we're, we're we're at sea level. We are constantly there are two thousand pounds of atmospheric pressure pushing in at us from all angles at all the time. And so, logically, it only makes sense that the same amount from the inside is pushing out. So, what we realize is <clears throat> the body fundamentally is is built up of pressure. And what it does is it uses mechanics in order to move that pressure around. And so when we started doing releases, right, and it would be, how come when I release the right quad, it almost looks deflated and literally looks smaller to the naked eye than the, than the opposite leg. And, 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 and we began to kind of see this relationship build out more and more and more and more. <clears throat> and we were actually relieving a lot of pressure from the gut for, for about two years. And, and we, we kind of knew what it was doing, but we didn't really have that complete connection of it. Um, and and, and we, what we realized is we, we we have 10 different organs in the body, right? And three of them actually fun- function uh, uh, as muscles. So how are the rest functioning? Well, we began to kind of tap into to the circulatory system here or, or blood pressure. And so there's always w- within the organ blood pressure happening, but also with outside the organ, there's that kind of sort of ambient pressure that exists within the body equating the atmospheric pressure that we're receiving at all times. And so what we realized is we're not, we're not necessarily releasing, uh, you know, tissues or muscle fiber in that way. We're removing pressure out of an area to allow that area to then function properly again. And it might look like a muscle. It might look like an organ, a tendon, a ligament, and especially, especially fascia which is one of the main uh, structures that, that we are beginning to work with and continually finding, finding more discoveries on. Uh, like I said, each and every day consistently seems to be a brand new day. And every time we're in there, it's funny, you know, every time we have a cancellation or something happens on the schedule, <clears throat> we know that it's because there's something that we're meant to figure out. And immediately there's about four or five of us that are putting something together that's kind of been lingering around. And then we're starting to kind of put the pieces together. Um, and, and again, like I said, this happens just when it when it's meant to happen. And uh, and, and we have that kind of hour to just pretty much five of us just begin to brainstorm and continue to build on the things that that were because it's a very collaborative effort. It's 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 very strictly a team effort. And there has to be no ego involved because at the end of the day, it's what is best for the client, right? And there are many different disciplines that we carry. We have MDs, we have nutritionists, chiropractors, we have, uh, you know, our version of a physical therapist, uh, you know, with, with a little bit of like a neurological training involved with it as well. Um, and, and because of that, there are so many different ideas of what the body could look like. But the true way to have an actual integrative clinic is to have everybody agree under the same philosophy of the body, which isn't really an easy thing to do, but that's what we realized was going to be one of the major key factors in creating a, a successful clinic for people to come to, because you're going to see so many different therapists. And the idea was, how can we have five minds create one better mind? And, and, and so when people come, what it typically looks like is there's actually about 
two to three people at each station. So you'll have the actual therapist there and then they'll have maybe uh, an assistant or two around. And there's always people looking for different things and collaborating on different ideas of what could be happening and talking and listening to understand what the client is saying. And because of this, we've began to see a higher success rate because there wasn't that just one person kind of delineating everybody's therapy throughout it. it you, one day you might see a therapist and the next day you might see somebody else and the communication is had between the therapists. And because of that, one might see something that the other didn't, or one day something may have come out that one could relate to or connect to for that person that they really needed, right? Because everybody has, has their own experiences. And the idea is we want to be able to connect every energy around the space to, to bring it together for the client. One thing I want to go back to, uh, actually two things out of that. I'm curious why you go say, uh, two forces, um, reason being, so I get the atmospheric pressure, I get gravity. Do you give like the pressure of the ground up from that another, or is that considered in the gravity force? Well, so <clears throat> what gravity does to the body is, is kind of like you said, it, it puts our highest point of force at the bottoms of our feet and it puts our highest point of tension at the top of our head. And so we're actively standing against that force. And so tension in the body actually begins to climb. And, and this is, is, is one of the biggest things that, that we've been able to, to realize how gravity affects the body is because, <clears throat> to give an example, if you were doing a curl or, or even a, a, um, you know, a knee extension at the gym, your, you know, quad extension, at that joint, your quads and your hamstrings are opposing each other, right? So they consider them to be functional opposites. And I don't disagree with that at all. However, when you are up and you're standing against a force like gravity, it changes the relationship of everything in your body because, again, you'll fall over. So the things that begin to oppose each other now look something more like the calves, the quads, the glutes, your pecs, and your traps. And ironically, they're actually – if everybody couldn't follow that, he's kind of like angling back and forth there across the body, right? Right, in a way, right. And, and, and ironically, they're all connected to a little bit of, of what we call the five floating bones of the body. So the kneecaps, the shoulder blades, and then the hyoid up in the neck, right? And so the kneecaps worry about communication moving forward. The shoulder blades are going to worry about communication moving backwards. And the hyoid is going to carry about information from left and right. And this is where we begin to put all of these pieces together as how the body starts to compensate again against an active force like gravity. That I'm going to have to listen to this about 20 more times. That just blew my mind on that one. Alex. <laughs> uh, so first, thank you for that. Uh, no, I'm really thinking a lot about this. Uh, this actually goes, I think this might be leading into something that I heard uh, Gary talk about on one of the podcasts I heard him on. And I had heard this concept before, but couldn't trace it to where um, he was talking about, okay, everybody, the tight traps, right? Like everybody's always has like, oh yeah, my ears are up or my shoulders. Like, yeah, I always carry a lot of tension there. Uh, but then he started talking about the soleus too. Uh, is this something like that's big that you guys look at uh, as far as being able to, uh, I guess maybe track through different muscles? And I mean, I'm thinking there like, I wasn't sure if you were specifically talking about the gastroc, if, if, if the soleus plays into that too, um, for the analogy that you just used then. Mm. Yeah. So it, 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 um, <clears throat> soleus does have a relationship with the traps. Uh, and again, it's what we begin to notice about how the body is responding to, to that, that gravity that, <clears throat> right. And so it's actually the soleus in, in particular, not the gastroc. And, and we realize that, um, because the soleus actually gets ignored a lot. 
And and what people don't realize is when they stretch their calves, most of the time they're not they're stretching the gastroc, but they're not hitting the soleus. And the only way to hit the soleus is to have that bend at the knee, right? And that muscle begins to get so tight and it deals with so much pressure that what it does is it actually begins to lock up your entire posterior chain all the way up to the traps. But the traps are starting to compensate for that tight soleus, again, in order to just keep you moving forward. And so these are kind of relationships that we start to put together in the body. Uh, and they look, you know, again, tension climb. So if somebody has tight soleuses, you know, they'll, they'll feel it in, in, in the traps. But really where that could be coming from is, again, we have to go down and check what the soleus is doing. And this leads into then talking about looking at the squat. Uh, because I know this is something I've been continuing like I, I still a work in progress for myself but my limiting factor in my squat is especially because i like to squat barefoot i don't want a uh, olympic shoe where i'm having my heels elevated to take that motion out of it basically is no i'm going and like just getting that soleus moving uh but that i mean if you want to share like how that is really important uh for being able to achieve that proper squat position too even exactly and 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 i love that you said that you uh are, are squatting barefoot, which is really, really important. Um, it's, it's, it's really about that connection that we're also making at the same time that we're doing the movement, right? And so, yeah, and exactly to your point, people, when, when they try to get into a squat and they're on the balls of their feet, as they're trying to lay their heels down to the ground, they're feeling that soleus that's really, really tight. And, and this is where we, we want to loosen up that soleus so that you can, you can rest in the squat position. And, you know, most of us at the garage are squatting about two to three hours a day. And it's not necessarily that it's <clears throat> all at one time, but it's intermittent, right? So we take, if I take a phone call, I'm squatting. Uh, if I'm texting with somebody, I might be squatting. Sometimes even when I'm eating, you know, and people are there sitting around at the chairs, I'm, I'm down in the squat position having my meal. Um, and even when we have meetings or conversations, we'll, we'll just kind of just get down in, into that position. Um, and it's, it's, it's a repetition factor, right? And the more that we can introduce that movement to our body, the more it will begin to understand that functional movement again, because that's something that it actually can pair with, right? My hopes is that sitting becomes uncomfortable for people and squatting becomes extremely comfortable for people. And because that's really what it, what, it, what it should look like. And, and, and the benefit of, of squatting, which I want to get into a little bit, is it actually forces diaphragmatic breathing. And diaphragmatic breathing actually pushes the pressure out of the body, right? And so when somebody gets down into a squat, they might sort of feel a lot of pressure build up around like in the ribcage area. And if they give it about two minutes, two to three minutes, they'll notice that start to dissipate. And if not, just give it a little bit longer, but they'll, they'll notice it dissipate. And what's happening is there's two holes in the top of the diaphragm, one leading into the esophagus and then one for the rest of the arteries. And it basically works like a pressure release valve. And when you get into that squat position, because it forces that diaphragmatic breathing, all the pressure is removing through that valve and then is moving out of the body and especially around kind of that rib cage area around those vital organs. Alex, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Um, it, do, do you prefer that somebody um, almost becomes lax in the bottom of a squat or stays very tight and still I, – I, it's almost hard to do this without, I guess, showing it um, because I can get into the bottom of a squat and I can almost relax into it better than I can and get into the bottom of a squat and stay uh, in a tight form with that, if you will. Yeah. So, so staying lax is, is, is going to be the way that we want to rest into that squat, right? We don't want to get into a, a movement or a position and then brace against that position. 
It's it's the if you can just naturally sink into that position, the posture that you'll be in is is what your body will naturally push you into, right? So so it'll force kind of that lordotic curve that you need in the low spine, right? It'll give you that diaphragmatic breathing, which will help push again, and then it'll really open up the hips too, which is huge, huge, huge because we actually generate all of our momentum from our hips, and so when our hips are locked up, that's one of the biggest thing that actually begins to affect our gait because we walk with our hips but we land with our feet, right? And so this is where we can kind of see that, that communication happening. So when, I, when I'm working with clients and how to squat, you know, it's, it's kind of similar to when people are sitting. Clients come and they say, oh, I'm doing better. I'm trying to sit upright and really hold and brace. And I say, don't do that. <clears throat> it's, 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 you're going to affect a stress on the body in an unnatural position. So, so what you could actually do is when you're sitting, just sit whatever feels comfortable for you, right? And if you can, you can make that a little bit better, maybe like not crossing over the legs or maybe leaning on an elbow, but just sit like normal. But it's about what you do intermittently while you're sitting. So I recommend maybe every half an hour, get up and do an opposite movement of that position. And then maybe go for a quick five minute walk. And then go back, sit, and continue on to your work. But but to kind of try to hold the position, especially for sitting, is well. So I asked them. I said, well, so you're going to do that for two hours? <laughs> and they, the look on their faces. Um, yeah, okay, maybe I get what you're saying. Now you're right. I don't want to brace like that that for two hours. And so the idea is even even for squatting, if you can just lax into that natural position, you'll be exactly where the body wants you to be. And it's and it's it, it'll look similar for everybody, but it'll have its exact unique differences for each body because everybody's body is, is unique and different in that way. I'm glad you talked about it that way because this is something I don't know that I want to say that I battled with, but something that I've been pondering recently because I, I think about it and, and I guess where the distinction comes in, am I doing this to be able to just squat and um, squat and just kind of hang out in the bottom of that squat versus uh, squatting under load? Like when I'm doing my training, that type of thing. I mean, they're, uh, I don't really want to go into that just lax position because uh, I think that might be a little bit much on the body. But that's where I think that I, I've, I've struggled with that difference. It's like, okay, I want to get down and come up under that full load, but it's not going to be so much where it's um, a, de- a detriment to the joints to kind of go into the bottom squat position and be lax uh, as long as I'm not under a heavy load when doing that. Yeah, and, and that's ex- I mean exactly it is. You you have a, you have an external stressor on top of gravity that you're putting onto the body, and 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 so because of that, there's going to be a little bit of natural bracing that happens, right? And it happens kind of in the synaptic uh, relationship of the muscle, right? So think about if you were walking in the city, you know, whether it be New York or especially Chicago, and and there was a great force of wind that hits you. Naturally, you're going to drive forward towards that wind, right? And it's just a fascial response that happens to the body. So. When there's an external stressor in that for us, especially in a squat where there's like a loaded stack on top of you, you know, at, if, if at the bottom you kind of hit that little bit of lax feeling, right, but don't necessarily turn completely off and then power through the rest of it, right? Because you're still, like I said, you still have that external brace on you. And if you let go, if you just turn off completely, it might not be too pretty at the bottom or even trying to get back up, right? So you do want to stay a little bit turned on as far as exercise goes. But to just naturally sink into the squat on your own is is really some is really what will help people on a longevity aspect. I mean, it's really helped myself, everybody at the garage, Gary included, to to maintain and function themselves out of pain, right? Because everybody's always like, when I when I get to that point, how do I maintain it? 
Well, we want to start to show you practices that you can do throughout the day that hopefully just become part of your, your intuitive intelligence for the body. So you're not really having to think about it. You kind of just, you know, people wake up and they, they hit on the pot of coffee and they turn on the shower, things like that, right? Is <clears throat> maybe sit in a squat for a good 10 minutes, right? Read, read, read the newspaper, read the book, read, read it, whatever it is that, the, you know, your morning reads when you get up and you scroll on Instagram or Facebook or social media, instead of laying in bed and doing that, maybe you could be squatting while doing that. And, and because of that, people will then begin to not really think too much about the actual movement and it won't stress them out in that way. It's funny you said like turning on the shower. Uh, one thing I actually started doing within the last couple of weeks, uh, and I can easily do it in the shower because there's a slight angle in the tub, is just squatting while I'm taking a shower. I mean, if I need to get like <laughs> anywhere where I, I have to move, I mean, I can do that. But it's actually it's a nice way to kind of wake up and get going with stuff. And I actually get some more of that squat time in. Uh, so that was something I was playing around with. But I, I feel like those times are the times where people need because they're going to say, I'm not going to take an extra five or 10 minutes or whatever it is. Well, build it into those five or 10 minutes that you're already doing stuff uh, where you can actually just apply it uh, from there too. Exactly. And, and that's exactly it. Right. And especially in the morning too, <clears throat> is one thing that, that I, I also want to mention is, you know, we've been, we were just laying in a position, you know, probably slight movements, but laying in a position for, hopefully about six hours, six to eight hours. I know most people are <laughs> not quite there yet for the amount of sleep that they get. But but again, there you know, you were kind of almost stagnant for, for quite a long period of time. When you get up, is you're pretty tight. And if you could just get into, again, the most natural position for the body, the rest of what the rest of your day will look like will be such a high payoff for you. I had a quick question going back on this, Alex. Oh, so you were talking about um, the quads, and it could maybe be other things, but you, you brought up the quad, where when you guys like would do a release to it, it would almost look uh, either flat or a little bit smaller than the other side. Um, any thoughts as far as like uh, what what that is, or what's um, really what that may, means or signifies for the body, and or like just what's going on there. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a couple of things. Um, and like I said, it's, it's, you know, a lot of it's that ambient pressure that kind of is just existing within the body, but also talking about the circulatory system, right? So blood pressure. So, you know, when, when you're at the gym and you're doing a curl, right, and you're doing a bicep curl as an example, and the bicep begins to swell up, really what's happening there is blood is rushing to the area. Right. And so after a workout, everybody kind of always has that pumped look. It's it's a lot of blood pressure in these areas. And so when we're removing pressure from the area and blood is is kind of making its way out, <clears throat> the muscle won't have to have that pumped sort of look or feeling. Even it's not after a workout, but again, it's kind of where their body's new normal is at. And and then so because of that, the muscle begins to deflate almost uh, have a deflate look in in that way, but actually can function that much easier because it isn't so constricted by the amount of pressure that it's dealing with that makes so much more sense thank you for that now now i follow and i guess is that then uh like the same thing with the abdominal region like people i mean in today's study everybody's trying to like suck their guts in right but normally we should kind of try and let that relax but is that where some of that even abdominal distension comes from because there's always so much tone uh even in those organs then too definitely it's uh abdominal distension is uh you know, there's quite a few things that, that kind of lead up to it. One is is the, the way we breathe uh, uh, doesn't allow for that pressure to be regulated around. Um, <clears throat> and two, kind of going back to, to compensations of the body, one of the most common compensations that we actually begin to see is, is uh, torque patterns throughout the body, right? And so if you almost kind of look straight down, almost if you were looking through their head all the way to the ground, and you can imagine it spiral all the way up, 
that's sort of kind of how fascia will begin to torque the body in a way. And so a lot of the times what we see is we see people's rib cage actually torque a little bit from left to right. And it's interesting because we've, we, we have clients from, from all over the world now. And uh, we, we realized one day that social patterns have a lot to do with how the body begins to compensate. And so our clients that come from places like India, UK, Australia, where, you know, they drive on the opposite side of the road, they do things on the left side. We realized your patterns are completely different. And <clears throat> what's happening in, in our society here in the States is that that torque, what that does is it puts a lot of extra pressure down there in the gut, especially, right? And there's a valve that connects the uh, large and small intestine called the ileocecal valve. And that pressure will begin to cause that valve to shut close, right? And what that does is creates, again, things like bacterial overgrowth, but also distension and bloating a lot of the times, right? And so then we begin to continue to eat these foods. And unfortunately, the diet that happens here in the States is it's, it's a lot of pesticides and, and things like that in the food. And what do pesticides do to the gut? They, it begins to erode the gut. And it creates more of that distension pressure and then actually makes the gut more permeable, right? <clears throat> On top of that, the, 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 the way that the pressure will begin to push up through the greater momentum is trying to digest and regulate that food. And on top of that, we're not breathing then correctly. And so all of these things combined into one create all of this serious, serious, serious abdominal pressure. And again, this is kind of going back to what I was saying is we were removing a lot of that abdominal pressure in the beginning, but we were doing it in a way where we didn't, we, we, it, it came on later about, I want to say three or four months ago where we actually realized what is happening. Oh, there is more to this than, than we initially thought. Right. And, and, and what happened was, is it actually came up through a study that we had read on PMS and it was talking about the sort of the emotions that that women go through when when they're on their cycle and we had always begin to tie these different emotions to organs in the body that we were receiving because you know anybody that's done body work has definitely had an experience where somebody has had an emotional release um, and and to try to really get to understand what that emotion was and where it was coming from is is what we were we were trying to put together and it's funny, the article had mentioned about, I think roughly about 75 or 80% of women experience uh, uh, anger, sadness, and fear in, in that order. And, and what happens is, is, you know, when a woman is on a cycle, the, the uterine wall expands, you know, or the uterus in itself expands almost three times its size. And what that does is it pushes pressure up the body, right? Again, especially because we are standing against a force like gravity, pressure and tension in the same way rise in, the, in that same way, sort of, sort of almost kind of like, like heat does. And <clears throat> what, what was happening is that pressure was hitting the liver, the kidneys and the adrenal glands. And so what it, we, we experienced, right, is anger, sadness and fear. And we realized, oh my God, there's so much more to the pressure that is going on in the abdominal region that it starts to stem from even a lot of our clients that come to us with autoimmune diseases, right? And these diagnoses of, of celiac and, and Crohn's and, and, and of the likes was what's actually happening here and what's actually happening within the body, right? And a lot of them had digestive problems most of the time. And because of that, there was a lot of dissension and bloating in the gut. And we wanted to figure out, is this a chemical issue or is this a mechanical problem? And once we began to restore the body's mechanics for some of these clients, we started to, and, you know, using probiotics and certain functional foods at the same time to help kind of restore the lining and the wall of the gut, we start to see people who were coming to us diagnosed with celiac disease eating wheat and having no problems and no inflammatory responses, and their body was actually able to handle everything fine, and the, the pressure in the gut and everything was kind of just dissipated, right? But again, in the same way as everything else, it all related back to 
how is this person walking? <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Alex, I mean, I know uh, we, we had some technical difficulties getting going here and you have to get going. But one of the last things I ask people who come on the show is uh, who would you want to hear on this podcast? And what is it that you would either want to just hear them talk about or like a specific as, uh, question that you would want to ask them? Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I would love for people that are trying to spread a message um, um, that is really trying to help people out there in whatever way it looks like, right? And it doesn't have to be necessarily health related, but but things that can just pertain to enhancing our everyday human lives, right? We, we, we spend so much time trying to kind of sort of fix or mend problems or take care of pain. And, and, and because of it, it, it drives us down on a path that, you know, a lot of us just don't deserve to be on. Right. And, uh, and, and this is, you know, it's kind of what had scared me back in the day when, when I was going through, through the, through all the difficulties that I was having. Um, and, and a lot of people, uh, deal with a lot of that kind of situational depression in, in their lives and they kind of just begin to lose touch with themselves. And it's, it's, for me, it's, you know, I, and I so, so thank you for, for, for what you do and, 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 and holding podcasts and bringing people onto your podcast to help spread these messages because that's, that's really the way that we're going to get these things out to, to everybody is, you know, traditional, especially in the medical world, traditionally it's, it's, you know, you have an idea, you test the, the research and then it gets peer reviewed. And, you know, that takes 15, 20, sometimes even 30 years, even beyond it. And, and at some point it's like, this is going to help people. And we don't want to die before we can actually begin to help people. And if something works, let's just deliver it. And that's exactly what, what Human Garage is, is we're delivering all of our new science just to help people. And, and, and it really comes to an advantage when we have you know, individuals like yourself who, who are trying to spread messages of good that we can begin to collaborate and connect with and, and spread the message throughout the world. Because like I said, it is no one superhero that will save the world themselves. It's a collaborative effort of all human beings coming together. Right. And whatever that looks like, if it's a new technology that helps us, is if it's something that that somebody is discovering for the human body, if it's, uh, you know, a, a, a food that, you know, somebody said, we're, we haven't been paying much attention to this and we're trying to alter it. And there's whatever it may be for anybody, as long as it's helping to enhance the human life. Right. And, and the things that we like to enjoy, that is a message that, that, that I hope continues to get spread no matter what it is, because we have enough of the, the difficult stuff happening out in the world. We don't need to add to it. Right. We we all know about the politics. We all know about the things that sort of really keep us on edge most of the time. And, and when we can remove all of those layers, what what is it that we can all connect through at, at the end of it? And it's really it's that energy that we share. It's that that, that human bond that we all share. And, and if we can continue to create that like, like-mindedness between individuals of finding that internal happiness, finding the way that we can be happy for ourselves and then want to share that with all around us is really, you know, when I was going through a lot of my stuff and a lot of the coworkers I have, I think gone through a lot of their things is what they've been able to find to <laughs> like have almost the most enjoyment each and every day. Right. And it wasn't like, I want to see what this is going to look like in three months or six months. It's each and every day is going to be a brand new day. And because of that, every day I wake up, it's it's an amazing day, <laughs> you know, and 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 that's like the overall the, the, the greatest, greatest message that, that we can begin to share for people. Um, and, and like I said, I, I so appreciate 
what you do and 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 the the how you are spreading the message through bringing people on on your podcast and the, and the ideas of the messages that you spread even yourself um, is it's absolutely amazing. Well, Alex, I mean, thank you so much for that, and I really appreciate, it. and I love, I love the attitude there. Like you can. I, I can truly feel the emotion that you have for all this. So that's just an awesome thing. Uh, in closing, like where can every, everybody find out just, Hey, more about anything that you have going on, uh, anything at the human garage, where should they go? Uh, if they just want to know more about it, if they want to get to Venice, uh, get, get some, uh, work done as well. Definitely. Yeah. So, so we, uh, <clears throat> we now have a website up and running actually. <laughs> we were under the radar for, for, for a couple of years on purpose. Um, so our website is up and running. We are on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook. Um, we have a, uh, we have a wait list going. Um, so if you go onto our website, you have the ability to sign up for the wait list and we're getting through it, through it pretty quickly here. Um, and <clears throat> you know, we, we don't ever want to turn anybody away. So, if you're not local, that is totally fine. We actually offer uh, remote phone consultations, um, and then we can kind of begin to build out your protocol to see what it will look like when you're able to travel to us. Um, so people that don't have the accessibility to Venice, that that's kind of what your, your consult will look like. Um, it's actually a free consultation standing right now. Uh, we, we are going and starting to change a couple of things. We were now that we're really functioning like a business. Some of the some of the things that we were doing aren't the best for the business, and we got to make sure that we can stay afloat so that we can continue to uh, to help people. Um, but yeah, all of our information. We're starting to push all our information out there. You can go and check out some of our other podcasts that you can find on our website and through our social media. Um, and and please please sign up for the wait list. Uh, come listen, understand, collaborate, and, and begin to, to, to find these answers for yourselves. Uh, um, because like I said, you are your biggest asset and you truly have what you need. You just need that, that little bit of a, of a helping hand to, to kind of trust, trust what you're feeling. I love it, Alex. I love it. Uh, make sure everybody go over, sign up, get, get it, your free console to get to Venice. I mean, uh, just make that change, uh, for the best for your body. And, Seek it from those who certainly uh, have been really uh, not only talking the talk, but walking the walk. So, Alex, thank you again so much for your time today. This has been awesome. I appreciate it, Nick. I appreciate it so much. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to head over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to check out the show notes for today's episode. While you're there, go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and the show is sponsored by you guys. Each of you that I work with helps me to be able to put out podcasts like this for free. So thanks again for your love and support. Finally, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health Podcast a positive comment and five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others. So thank you.